0: what's going on everybody oh it's finally here it's it's a reboot it's a reboot what's up everybody uh, this is finally another episode of to be continued with christella Alonzo, and as always i am uh christella alonso and um, I would like to thank you right off the bat for listening to this right now, because um, I've been away for a while, and the fact that you're listening to it right now actually means that you were interested in hearing what I had to say, which kind of blows my mind, because I have been on a sabbatical. Um, Thank you for listening. Let's start off with that to my four listeners. Um, So... I have the time to do this podcast right now, so I figured I would try to do it and see if people dig it or not. So I've been doing this podcast to be continued on and off for years to the point where I think I've only done a handful of episodes. Um, Every time I try to do it on a consistent basis, I always ended up getting busy. And uh, right now I am uh, not busy because I am doing a little thing called self-isolation, which we will talk about later. But before I get to that, I kind of wanted to catch everybody up. First of all, I hope everybody's doing uh, great right now. Well, I mean, not great. Well, I mean, look, I, I want you to do great, but I don't know if you're doing great. I know it's a stressful time. Um, a lot of people are struggling right now. I'm just saying that I hope that you're doing the best that you can. I think that's a better way of saying it. Um, I'm fine. Thank you for asking. Um, I just figured that right now, since a lot of us find ourselves with time, we would, uh, we would use this time. Well, I would use this time to kind of connect with everybody and see how everybody's doing. Check in. So, um, I guess I should catch you up with what I've been doing since the last podcast. Uh, I think, if I'm not mistaken, the last podcast I did, uh, Bill Clinton was president of the United States. I'm kidding. Um, So we still have the same guy in in, in office, and, um, you know, I I don't like saying his name because I kind of feel like, I kind of feel that it's, it's like that Bloody Mary game as a kid. You know, where you, you, you say the the name three times and you don't know what's gonna happen. So I, I try it's kinda like Beetlejuice. So where hell where where the hell have I been? Where have I been? Um the answer? Here. I've been here. Uh since we last spoke, I have had a couple things happen to me. I actually stopped uh, doing the podcast last time because I was busy writing a book. I wrote a book, everybody. I wrote a book, I wrote every single word in that book. And I say that because uh, originally when I sold the idea to the book, there were people that were a little concerned that I actually wanted to write the book. It turns out that uh, there are people that sell books that don't write the books, which that to me, makes no sense personally, because I like to write things that I say I'm going to write. But um, I said, I wanted to do it. I wanted to write this book. And everybody's like, are you sure? And I'm like, "Mm -hmm, insert mm -hmm emoji here. Then I started writing the book and I realized it is really hard. (laughs) You know, it's weird because I know everything that happens in my life. I lived it but having to sit down and force yourself to write it down is a totally different experience, especially because the way that I was writing my book, I wrote it connected to some of my favorite songs and I had to listen to the songs. And as I was listening to the songs that, that pertain to, to the chapters, it made me very emotional uh, in ways that I, I couldn't, um, I couldn't understand. I, I, didn't expect to, so that was really eye-opening, but I had a blast doing it, I finished the book last year, it came out um, in October, it's called uh, Music to My Years, it was uh, released by Simon & Schuster, Atria Books, an an imprint from Simon & Schuster, and it's actually available in Spanish as well, um, which is really cool, Uh, in Spanish the book is called La Musica en Mi Vida, and it came, and that was available December 10th. And both, if you haven't read it, I um, and you want to read it because, you know, I mean, I don't want, you know, I mean, you got time. You can buy it online. Uh, you can do, do the hard book edition. Um, in Spanish, it's paperback. And you can also do it in audible uh, in English. I didn't do the audible in Spanish. So, uh, perdóname. <laughs> but that's available in Spanish. Look, the book really kind of touches on my life a lot of the overall themes is uh being a first generation Mexican American being born to immigrant parents that were not from this country and having to you know the the classic straddling of two country two cultures you know because in a way I'm I'm a very you know I grew up here but I'm so connected to the life and traditions that I grew up with because that's my mom and um I also talk about growing up in the poverty line you know below the poverty line which I think a lot of us can relate to. And, you know, it's that thing where I think it, for me it was important to talk about that because I feel that a lot of people like to focus on stories about power and success and maybe sometimes don't think about where it came from. And I'm not saying that I'm powerful or successful. I'm saying that where I ended up is so different from where I thought you know, I would be. I never imagined this. So I wanted to talk about how growing up below the poverty line in South Texas with my family made me in a way very resilient. It made me appreciate things. It made me survive in ways I never thought. And we'll talk about that in a bit too. I also talk in the book about becoming the first to do things and realizing how hard that was. You know, I've said this before, 2014, I was the first Latina to write, star, produce in their own network, TV sitcom named Cristela. And I was also the first Latina to star in a Pixar movie, Cars 3. That was in 2017. We're in 2020 right now. The fact that I would be one of the first, if not the first, to do something in such a modern day age, you know, is so mind-blowing, but... I think it's important to talk about because it only shows you how much more work we have, you know, ahead of ourselves. But also take a moment to appreciate what has already happened. So that was what the book was about. When the book got released, I'm going to tell you the truth. I I was worried about um, the lack of marketing. You know, I didn't know how well it would be marketed uh, for a couple things. You know, especially in in the book world right now my opinion is, is that, you know, in order to sell books right now, you have to be a super famous person or you have to have been fired by the president and written a book about your time in the White House. And, you know, I'm neither one of those things. So I also, I'm used to, I'm used to people sometimes not knowing what to do with me. Does that make sense? And I don't mean, you know, the publishers and everything. I mean, just in general, uh, the industry as a whole, uh, sometimes they see me and they think that immediately I have to be marketed as a very super Latino kind of, um, entity. You know what I mean? Because my face doesn't say that I'm Latina. Like I have to kind of like my, it's almost like my face has an accent. That's how people like, people have treated me in the past, you know? Um, so I decided to go on a standup tour and I did 40 cities in three months to promote my book. I did a book signing after every one of my shows. I loved meeting people. I loved signing the books. I, I love talking to people on the road because I feel like in the meet and greets, that's the moment where I get to connect with people and see what they're thinking. You know, to me, that's such an important tool that so many of us don't have the privilege of using, you know, I think for me, that was one of the reasons that my sitcom years ago, um, I really tried to guide it with the tone of people that would come and see me because, because my story and their story connected and I liked that. So having these moments to talk with people after the shows, it almost made me feel like that's my time to connect with people, check in and see where we're all at and i'll tell you it's great to talk to people i i was kind of you know i kept hearing the same things over and over with over and over again in all the cities you know overall the number one thing the number one thing people asked me about was uh is my show ever coming back you know people will say they miss my show blah, blah blah like i can't believe it it's been five years since it was canceled and people still talk about that show. And we only did 22 episodes, but that just shows you how it stayed with people. And I love that. And I can't believe that. And I consider myself lucky for that. But unfortunately, no, the show can never come back. So unfortunately that means that I would have to come up with a new idea and, and, and go from there. You know, People always ask me, that leads to the second question. When am I doing another show? I don't know what to tell them. Like, I'll be honest with you guys, Uh, you know, and I think maybe it's very relatable to some people right now, but, uh, it's been a struggle to really think about what I want to do next, because for me, I've struggled with, uh, like depression, anxiety, and sometimes emotions overtake goals. They overtake dreams and that's fine. You know, it's that thing where sometimes feelings make you stop, and that's okay. I actually think that's a good thing, because that that means that you are aware that your mind is saying, hey, we need to reset, and we need to do it now so that we can be healthy later. And honestly, I just didn't feel like I wanted to do anything. So I, I didn't have that story. So when people ask me, when am I doing another show, I always say when I do the next show I don't know then people would always keep asking me what am I working on next that's a question that used to frustrate me because I know that I know that it comes from good intentions but you know they're asking me while I'm promoting the book I just finished writing and I'm now on tour for so I kind of like living in the moment and acknowledging that that moment is happening at the right time you know at the at that time at that place you know it's a matter of appreciating the present uh, instead of waiting for the future that you don't know will come, you know, and I don't mean that in a negative way, but we don't know where the future holds. So we kind of just have to appreciate the moment that we have right now. The truth is, I, I really don't know. You know, I've been talking to f- close friends of mine lately, you know, and uh, really talking to them about what's next. It, we live in such a weird time right now. We live in a time where now we have had years of the guy in the White House and things have changed extremely. I mean, look at where we are right now. We're in the middle of this global pandemic that I never thought, I never thought I would live during something like this. It it almost feels like like I'm living in a time that I read about in history books. But we have iPhones. You know what I mean? It's a weird thing because, you know, for all these years, I think that so many of us grew complacent in thinking that, in theory, we live in such a modern world where we have these th- this technology and these things that, you know, make us feel like we're we're further ahead or maybe even superior to what our ancestors were. And then a global pandemic, a virus hits, and then we realize we're just like them. When something unknown happens, it's completely unknown. Everybody is confused. And that's where we are right now. So when I'm thinking, you know, what's next for me? I don't know. But like I said, I've been talking to close friends. I've been telling them, you know, I'm going to be upfront with you guys. One thing that, struggle, that I struggle with is this idea. It's the idea of how... um Now, because my mom was an immigrant from Mexico, you know, and she grew up in a little village in the middle of nowhere, my mom was just so happy when she moved here and had running water and electricity. It was such a big deal for her to have that. And, um, everything after that just felt like a bonus to her, you know? So the idea that any of her kids would try to pursue a dream or try to do something that meant having more than running water and electricity just seemed ridiculous to her. I understand that. But it's this thing where, because she thought like that, you know, she kind of made it seem like nothing we could do was special because everything we did was special. Do you know what I mean? In I mean that in regards to having that moment where someone could buy a new car, that was a success story. That's as much of a success as me having my own TV show. Because both things seem so out of reach for all of us that the idea of gaining something, of attaining it, is just, there's some specialness that's lost with it, you know? And it's funny because I feel like that in my career, where sometimes... If I do something, I'm like, well, you know, we'll see how it goes. The chances of this happening are just so slim. And it's just, it's this thing where I tend to minimize what I do. You know, I, look, I don't want to brag, but I go to therapy. And um, I've got that therapy money. And I was actually talking to this, uh, to, I was talking about this to my therapist, where I have a struggle to acknowledge that I might be good at something for a couple of reasons, and a lot of it has to do with being raised Catholic because it's the whole idea of being modest and, you know, being humble and, you know, everything, and the other one is just, it's that thing I was saying about my mom. It's, I mean, her success could be seen as so simple by others, you know, the electricity, the running water that, you know, buying the car and having a TV show were equally as great and amazing in front of her eyes, you know. Mind you, my mom never got to see any of my success in person, though I'd like to think that she knows what's happening right now. Um, It's interesting, too, because it kind of goes back to what I was saying about the industry and, like, the marketing. You know, the reason that I was so fearful about the marketing for my book is because the marketing for things I have done sometimes, um, uh, the, the choices are very interesting. You know, it's that thing where I don't understand if a Latino project is in English, why do we have to promote it predominantly in Spanish? You know, it's that thing where if certain websites have a Latino uh, spinoff, you know, like a Latino uh, subcategory, why did they have to be in Spanish when the programming is in English? You know, it's that thing, you know, it's the assumption that because you're Latino, you would be bilingual. And that's not true. You know, I am. You know, my first Spanish, and my first language is Spanish. But as I grew up, I've realized uh, there's not a lot of people I know that are bilingual. You know, and that means that Maybe we should shift our interests and our programming and our marketing in a way that actually appeals to people that that uh, speak English. You know It's like and I'm not saying like, don't speak Spanish. Obviously. what I'm saying is, you know, if a project is in Spanish, I want to promote it in Spanish. If a project is in English, I want to promote it in English too. It just seems that in my background, in my past, I've always had to promote things more in Spanish than in English and everything i've done has been in english which is so weird you know i was talking to a friend of mine about this really good friend and he's in uh, he works in the industry too he's a really funny writer really really funny writer man he is so, like he's smart like anytime i have a question i need an opinion i ask him because i really value him he's hilarious he's one of those guys that It's like he's funny, but he doesn't know how funny he is. So I asked him, you know, why is it, why do you think that I struggle so much in trying to get my point of view out? Why is it that I struggle with people accepting my work as being like the same kind of work that other people do? And he said something fantastic. And it actually uh, made me feel like I wasn't crazy. He kind of said something great about the industry. In a weird way, it's almost like it's passive racism that they don't even know about. They're not even aware. They treat my work as a subgenre of real work, you know, meaning that you know, it, my TV show isn't a TV show, it's a Latino TV show, and therefore it has to live in Latino spaces. And when I realized that, I thought, you know, there's such a point to that, because my friend, my friend said it, he meant it, he's been working in this industry for, for years, and when he said it, I thought, you know, the subgenre thing is so interesting, because, you, you know, it you're right. In a weird way, it's kind of like when I, um, when I don't understand why the Latin Grammys have to have their own show aside from the regular Grammys, you know, quote-unquote regular Grammys. I, I, you know, music is music, but the same thing with country music, too. It's interesting because the idea of, like, passive racism, it's, I think it's ignorance. It's that idea that, you know, because one way of marketing works or one way of promotion works why change it right but does it really work i mean that's why i always say when people talk about diversity you know in the industry i always tell them it's not about getting people in front of the camera it's about getting people everywhere we need people in the writers directors chairs you know we need the we need the executives to understand the plight to understand the experience you know so it's weird because in a weird way, when my friend told me that, I had a, an aha moment, aha, you know, and it made me feel better. And it was so crazy to me that that it made me feel better. It, It's one of those things, you know how sometimes you think, sometimes you'll have a friend that you want to talk to and you can maybe say something like, hey, look, tell me if I'm crazy. but, And then you say something and your friend's like, girl you're not crazy that's no like you're not crazy and when people say you're not crazy it's like thank you thank you thank you so that leads me to my new question what am i doing now i'm doing what a lot of you guys are doing i'm self-isolating because of the coronavirus. virus you know it's funny i've been seeing all these articles um online you know like about spring trends like what's new in fashion skirts, satin blah blah and I'm like mask some rubber gloves dude ain't no designer stuff here I need some disinfectant wipes I don't need a maxi dress like come on now I'm not going to a luau I'm going to my living room so (laughs) I live in Los Angeles California was uh I think the first state to lock down uh the entire state I have to say I took it I took the virus seriously from the beginning. Some people I knew didn't. There was, um, like, no no, no joke. I was doing a show at a club, and we were in the green room, the room where all the comics hang out. And I had hand sanitizer with me. And I was trying to make sure that I used it, you know, right after I touched the mic and everything, because we're all touching the same mic. And uh, we were in the green room. And people were making fun of me for having the hand sanitizer. And I was trying to tell them I uh, would rather be made fun of for being over prepared than um, regret not being prepared at all. That was my thinking. So it was this thing where um, a lot of them in the room started talking about how um, coronavirus was like the flu. You know, and this was... I'm going to say this was beginning of March, maybe. I think, yeah, around the beginning of March, maybe end of February. Everybody was talking about how it was kind of like the flu. But the thing is, my point was, we don't know. You see, I I would rather admit that I'm wrong than to say that I was ignorant. I mean, if the information is there, why not be careful? It's not like it's going to cost me anything to be careful. Um, So... We were talking, and then I think someone said in the room uh, that they heard someone in uh, the L.A. area had it. And the moment that it became local to everybody, it kind of became more serious. And then at that point, they started using my hand sanitizer because they started feeling paranoid about what if I get it. And I'm like, exactly, what if you get it? is they don't charge you to be like careful. You got to do it just to do it. So, you know, having said that I've been on lockdown, I would say almost a month or so. I'm doing great. I'm actually doing great being by myself, you know? Um, and I think that goes back to what I was talking about, like the depression and anxiety thing. Um, if this makes sense, I feel like I'm doing really good right now because sometimes I will be at home sad or just feeling down and I'm confined to my home because of my feelings. And right now I'm confined to my home, but I'm not feeling like that. And that makes me feel good. By the way, I don't know if you guys can hear it. There are some people walking dogs out there and they're barking. I have had no noise for like weeks. And now that I decided to record a podcast, it's like, Hey you guys, you want to do construction? There's some barking dogs there. Guess what? Trash day. So, um, going back to what I was saying, I'm doing great by myself right now. I'm sure that a lot of people aren't. I see it on social media a lot. And, uh, I really want to tell everybody that I'm very sorry. And also it's very normal to feel like this. I think that we have to, um, we have to all get to the point where we realize that feeling sad or feeling not happy or joyous all the time is okay too, because trying to force yourself to always feel positive about everything, it isn't real. And sometimes it makes you suppress your true self. Your true self at that moment. So, if you're feeling not great, if you're not feeling a hundred percent, it's okay. I've been there. I will be there again. I'm there quite a bit sometimes. So, um, I hope everybody's doing okay. You know, I've been using this time. You know, I'm that eager beaver right now. I've been using this time to take care of myself. I'm diabetic. So I've been working out, I'm eating healthier, you know, well, not healthier, I'm just trying to maintain the working out and the eating healthy because everybody says that people with diabetes are more susceptible to like getting the virus and um, I can't control, I don't have full control of whether or not I'll get the virus, but I try to control what I know I can control and I can control my sugar. So that is something that's making me feel like I'm taking control of something in the best way uh, that I can. Also, uh, so I made the big mistake of deciding to, to, um, have been trying to, have been trying to organize my apartment, which it was a big mistake in theory, really great idea. What up, go getter. You're ambitious. Let's get this house clean. Well, the apartment you guys, my apartment looks like I'm hoarding everything because I have trash bags of clothes everywhere. Everywhere. Because I was going to go donate them and then they closed down donation centers. And even now, well, right now in the next couple weeks, we're on the serious apex where you're not supposed to go out unless you really, really have to. So, um, I was trying to find donation centers that were open right now, but even then, a lot of them suggest that you kind of hold off on them because they don't know if I've got the virus, you know what I mean? So my apartment just looks, it looks like I'm hoarding and, you know, it's embarrassing. Sometimes if you see, uh, Instagram videos or something, you'll see, bags, like trash bags behind me or a box or something. That's all stuff that I'm getting rid of. You know, it's weird. (laughs) It's like my apartment's getting organized, but the more organized it gets, the messier it looks. And, um, I've also been using this free time to, um, check in with my friends. I'll text friends just to make sure, especially the people I know that, that live by themselves. Uh, I've been checking in with my family almost every day and, um, uh, they, my family lives in Texas. My sister lives in the Dallas area. My other brothers uh, live in uh, the Rio Grande Valley, Edinburgh, Texas, near where we grew up. And um, Texas was on a lockdown weeks after, you know, um, L.A. was, California, and a lot of, you know, and the, their lockdown, their stay-at-home order has been different than a lot of California. So my uh, I wanted to make sure my brothers and my sister had supplies. So I've sent them, like, disinfectant wipes that I found online. Basically, I look online for things that I think my family will need. Then I ask if they need it, and then I will send it to them because I'm also the most internet savvy, so I can send it to them easier than them figuring out how to do it themselves. So right now I'm putting together a uh, care package for all of my family that includes uh, hand sanitizers, that I have found here and there, uh, some like uh, hand sanitizing wap uh, wipes, and um, you know, just trying to keep them as good as possible. I, they're not, you know, they're pretty home. They're pretty work uh, home confined, except for I think my sister. I think my sister still has to go to work uh, off and on, which makes no sense, but she does, and I I worry a lot about my family. You know, it's this thing where, and I'm sure so many people can, I'm sure a lot of people can relate to this. You know, I live in California. I don't have family here. Like, my flesh and blood is in Texas. And I hate not being able to be near them. But also, I hate that I can't be near them so that I can judge them and tell them not to do things. (laughs) You know, it's that thing where I want to know that they're safe. But, like, in order to do that, I have to see for myself that they're safe. So I check in with them a lot. I make sure that they're okay, you know. And, um, look, like I said, this is a hard time for a lot of people. Honestly, it's this weird thing where... It's a weird thing for me because I feel grateful and guilty right now. Because coming from, you know, humble beginnings, this is the first time in my life where I don't have to freak out about my immediate future. I'm one of the lucky ones that doesn't have to worry about how to pay rent or get food. And because I have that luxury, my family, my siblings have that luxury. And I'm grateful for that. And oh my God, I'm so grateful for that. But I feel guilty because I know that others don't have it. And I hate that. And I hate the uncertainty. And you know, I have to say, I think one of the things that makes me feel like I'm doing so well right now is because of the way that I grew up. It's what I was saying earlier about the survival instincts. Man, when you grow up having to do without things, you really find out who you are. That was one of the things that I found so interesting about the quarantine is that when people started going out and um, buying stuff, you know, buying all of the toilet paper, all of the paper towels, all of everything, all I kept thinking is, it almost feels like you're afraid to be poor because for me when I was shopping my mentality was was it it was different it just to me I reverted back to when I was you know a kid growing up on food stamps it was about being able to get what you could get and then figuring it out later on And you know, it's weird. And look, I'm not trying to judge people and say, like, you know, don't hoard, don't you know, blah blah blah. But also, let me say, people that are price gouging, oh, yo, come on now, man, be a human being right now. But you know, it's that thing where I grew up on survival skills, a lot of us have those survival skills, and you know. It's like that Billy Joel, uh, Billy Ocean song, when the going gets tough, the tough get going. But it's a weird thing. I have grocery shopped once every, you know, I, I've made it last three weeks, which reminds me of when I was a kid, when we would go grocery shopping about once a month with the food stamps. Um, I don't freak out if I don't find the things that I... Uh, that I, I want or or need. I try to make do with uh, what I have. Uh, look, let me tell you. Like the toilet paper thing. Uh, I've grown up with parts of my life not having access to toilet paper. You know, I mean, uh, l- let me tell you. When I was a kid, I went to visit my mom's va- uh, like village. El Rancho, right? And there's no bathrooms. So you would just go, you know, squat down boom, do your business, like find a leaf or something, whatever you could. When I was a kid, I was outside one year uh, and I was, uh, I was doing my business, you know, it was taking a bit. And all of a sudden I get knocked down by a pig. Can you believe that? Like I literally got knocked down by a pig that was like, like, like by a pig. And it freaked me out because, uh, because who expects that? But there I was, I was like, I got up, I ran away from it with my underwear, like down by my knees or whatever. And the pigs started chasing me, you know, I mean, I've lived through that. So the the 48 rolls of sh- like, uh, Angel Soft or Cottonelle or whatever, I, I, it doesn't worry me. You know, it's that thing where, um, I'm being careful, you know, and I'm not saying that I'm, you know, I'm not saying that I'm roughing it by any means, but the mentality that I have is that I've, I've made it through worse than what I have right now. And because I made it through worse back then, I know that I'm capable of going through this right now. And I think that we don't take that. I think that we take that for granted. I don't think that we have put the value that we need to in that kind of living. Because that's living that you learn. That's living that you learn by experience. You can't YouTube these videos. It's something that you have to live through. So honestly, like I said, I feel grateful I feel grateful that I can afford food. I feel grateful that that I don't have to freak out like so many people in this country are right now. I feel so grateful, but man, I feel guilty because it shouldn't be that way. It shouldn't be that way. Not in this country. You know, it's this thing that when you're a kid, when I was a kid, you know, you're raised in thinking that this country is the like the best in the world. And you have this idea of, you know, growing up and it's about like equality. All We're all created equal and everything. And then situations like this happen and you realize we're not, we are born equal. And then the system changes things. And it's frustrating to me. It's frustrating that in 2020, man, people are struggling to get gloves. They're, they're struggling to get masks. And not only that, I mean, look, let me talk, the essential workers, we got people that are that are working, the essential workers, and everybody's calling the health workers heroes, and my God, they are. You know, honestly, the doctors, the nurses, everything, I. I get so emotional when I see them, and it bugs me that they don't have the equipment they need to do their jobs, but the essential workers, like the delivery, like the delivery drivers, the, the grocery store attendants, the farm workers, we also have to understand that they're called essential workers because it is also essential for them to have that work. They are heroes but there're also people that are working because they have to work. If we lived in a system in a in a world where they didn't have to work right now and they could stay at home and protect themselves and their loved ones, they would. Having said that, it's very frustrating to see people still having to go work to try to maintain a way of life for all of us and not get compensated for the for the for the work it, it bothers me that people that work these jobs and I say this because all of these jobs are jobs that my family comes from we have these jobs we had the jobs we got these jobs because they were the jobs we could get. But because they were the jobs we could get, doesn't mean that they're not important. And that doesn't mean that the people doing them are not important. And I'm not saying that we're all saying that they're not important. I'm saying that right now is a prime example of how necessary these people are, how they are to us right now. That I think that we should really, and I mean we, the government, needs to compensate them, needs to raise raise the wages, needs to add health benefits, because right now this is a prime example of how important, what they're willing to sacrifice, how important it is to have health benefits. Right now, we're in a situation where our only, our last resort was to stop everything, you believe that? Our, like, our band aid was to just stop life. Unemployment's going up through the roof. We got people, like, businesses shutting down permanently. And I just, it's a weird thing. I see the news every day. And every day I think, man, I'm grateful, but God, I feel guilty. So it's that thing, you know, it's like, you take it day by day, though. I don't know about you guys. Does it feel like every day is just a blob? Sometimes I feel like I wake up, I hang out for a couple hours, and then I go to bed. And, you know, I have those moments when I realize that I'm I'm feeling happy. And man, I really appreciate those moments. It's like I catch myself. And I like that I catch myself because that's actually very important for me. A year ago, I couldn't, acknowledge when I was happy. I didn't really cherish those moments where I I felt joy. And now I do. And I love it. And I hope that throughout all of this, everybody's doing the same thing. I hope that you guys have those moments where something makes you smile, something makes you laugh, and you feel good. Because right now, there's a lot of stuff going out there. There's a lot of stuff happening, and right now, we need to feel good. So that leads me to the part where I talk about um, the thing I'm into. So every episode, I try to talk about the thing I'm into right now. Um, something that I focus on, something that I've gotten interested in, something that I'm obsessed with. Um, this week, I have actually been re-watching a lot of my favorite 80s movies, like comedies. Uh, I was watching Stripes a couple days ago. I forgot how good it was. Uh, I think I'm planning on watching Back to School today. Rodney Dangerfield, that movie was co-written by uh, Harold Ramis. For some reason, those movies always made me feel good. I feel like the comedy during those times were, it was different. It was like silly, but it was grounded and it had heart. You know, it's kind of like the John Hughes movies. You know, you had that feeling where, it felt like you might have known those people in real life, you know? So I've been re-watching a lot of those movies because comedy has evolved so much that um, I feel like that kind of nostalgic feeling that I get from those movies, I can't seem to get with a lot of modern movies now. Not that it's bad or good, it's just that comedy evolves and the tastes, like my taste evolves with them, you know? But sometimes when you see those movies like Airplane or Naked Gun or something, you realize... <laughs> you just laugh like an idiot, you know, and maybe it's because part of it reminds me of a simpler time, but I've been watching them excessively. Um, if any one of my four listeners that's still listening, probably nobody has any suggestions for me on the eighties movies, please, uh, please let me know, post on social media. I would love to get your feedback because I want to find movies that are not too popular yet. known. that makes sense. Um, I've also been playing, uh, Super Mario Brothers a lot lately. Uh, I'm trying to do the first one. I'm trying to do that whole thing where I do the whole game in, uh, one life right now. <laughs> I was playing Super Mario 3, which is probably the go-to of, like, the classic Super Mario Brothers. Um, got a lot of worlds, got a lot of little challenges, you know, the graphics are pretty cool, but man, the OG Super Mario, I really want to do the whole game in one life, um, And by that, I mean just even with the warp zones. Warp, you know, Warp 4, Warp 8. Like, I mean, I'm not a saint. I'm not perfect. I got to start somewhere. But that's what I've been doing this week. I've been doing a lot of 80s movies and Super Mario Brothers. You know, it's funny. I just realized I really am kind of falling into my childhood right now without even thinking about it. Like, it's something that I was seeking. And now that I said it out loud, I realized I'm actually... I'm talking about things that I used to do as a kid, both with what I watch and how I'm living. So it's kind of crazy. Um, I think I'm going to wrap it up. I don't want to make this too long. I feel like it's already been too long, but, um, again, uh, thank you for listening for anybody that's, uh, still left listening. Um, look, I'm going to repeat it again. We keep hearing a lot about, the people on the front lines, and I'd like to thank every single person that is out there working right now, from the healthcare workers saving lives to the cleaning crews, the delivery and distribution workers, everyone that's trying to maintain our lives. We should take a moment to think about the people working right now and realize that they have been labeled essential, because really, we couldn't function without them. Uh, I really had no plan for what I was going to talk about. I really hope that people enjoyed it. I don't know. Can you enjoy it? <laughs> I'm like all over the place right now. Um, I'm going to edit this. I'll probably post it later on today. Today's Wednesday. I don't even, man, I don't even know what date it is. It's April 8th, everybody. I had to look that up. It's April 8th, Wednesday. I'll probably post the podcast tonight. Um... You know, like I said, I had a, I have a book available if you guys want to check it out in English and Spanish. Um, it's available in Audible, you know. Uh, and it's an audiobook, too. I read the book. And um, in regards to stand-up, I will be back on the road whenever um, all of this blows over and I am allowed to return. Uh, as of now, I think I probably won't be working till maybe uh, August, maybe? And I think we're... We're being hopeful on that, so I will let you guys know if I have any dates coming up because uh, I got a lot of things to talk about. I think we all do. We all need some funness. Um, so thank you for paying attention to me. <laughs> Again, that's my whole thing. Like, like I was saying earlier, I you know, I tend to minimize myself so much, and I'm just like, who's gonna listen to this? But uh, thank you for. Um, Taking the time out of your day to listen to me, uh, ramble on about things, and um, I hope everybody again. I hope you're doing good. I hope uh, I hope you're doing the best you can. That that's all we can hope for right now, right? Let's all do the best we can. All right, everybody. Um, let's see. Um, let's see how this goes, and maybe. Maybe I'll do another podcast next week. I don't know. Maybe. Anyway, hope everybody has a good day. This is Chris Stella, and you have listened to finally a new episode of To Be Continued. Thank you, everybody, for tuning in. I'll see you next week. Well, actually, I won't see you. I will hear you. Well, I, I, well, I, I won't hear you. I'll t- I'll talk to you. I'll talk. I'll I'll talk to you. Bye.